0: You're hot, then you're cold, yes and you're no. You know the song, in and you out, up and you down. More on this in this episode of Stationed with Stories. Stationed with Stories, that's it. All right, you are listening to Stationed with Stories. I'm your host, Kalisha hollis Jesse. And just as we get into this thing, let me just tell you that these are my thoughts, my thoughts, my thoughts, my thoughts, and they do not represent or reflect the positions, opinions, or views of the US Armed Forces in any way. All right, now that we got that out of the way, hi peeps, really excited to just go into it, y'all. We're going to get into it. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. And if you are a return if you've been with me from the very beginning, welcome back. Let's get into this book. Y'all, this particular time, I read a book that was part of a book club. And I'm gonna talk about that in another episode, but I joined this mill Spouse Book Club in my area on my installation, my base, and they are going strong. They have a book every month and they rotate where it's gonna be. And so like physically where they're holding the book club. And so I went to the one this, past, this month for this month And it was, it was great. I'll talk about the actual book club itself and that experience, but the book we read was The Theater of War by Brian Dorries. It came out in 2015 and it was, like I said, not a book that I chose, but it was part of the book club and I thought, you know what, let's check it out. I listened to the book and that was actually the recommended way to consume it, the actual Leader of this particular month, she said, You know what, you all, you should probably listen to it. And the person who reads it has a great narrative voice. And I agree. The guy who reads it, actually, at least on Audible, his name is Adam Driver. And so I thought he had a great voice for it. But like I said, y'all, I did not know what I was getting into. Let me just give you my three words first and we'll jump right into it cerebral, unapologetic, and inspiring. Okay, Cerebral. Like I said, this was part of a book club. I said, "Let's go for it. I want to join these ladies in this this book club." And what happened? I started listening and I thought, "Wait, what? What? Wait, what's what's happening here?" What's, what what am I reading? Y'all, Cerebral, very academic. And and don't let that scare you, okay? Because it doesn't stay there per se like if it this, if that's not what you like, There may be other things that you like about the book, but it was very cerebral and it took me a moment to catch my breath on it. This guy, right, the writer is a scholar and he started this organization to bring Greek plays to military communities and and communities that, that need some sort of therapy in ways, right? that from the arts i'll get into that art and healing in a second but it was very cerebral because you start off with how he got to that place and he studied you know all the classics he's very big into humanities and and also psychology and and you get his understanding of why the why of the work because he knows greek classics and he studied them and so if you have not really read any greek classics and you're definitely not into that academic space of being able to break down some of Heracles and all of these things, like and, and Sophocles and and to have these conversations about rhetoric. That's that's where it goes. And so it's very cerebral. And I did not expect that. And I I definitely was caught off guard at the very beginning. It was very, very it's like it kind of transported me back to being in college. And I went to a college that had a very core, strict humanities set of classes for undergraduates. And you had to take quote unquote classics. I like to call them European classics because they are European classics, not to be confused with classics from other parts of the world, right? But they would call it classics just generally. And you had to read these type of things. And so I was familiar, but once again, it it took me back, y'all. It took me back to the classroom and I said, what is happening here? I thought we we're talking about theater, but he gets there. He gets there unapologetic, unapologetic because when he really gets into the meat of this book and why, and the audiences that he brought these classics to, it was it was unapologetic, and particularly in the military space. If you're a mill spouse, if you've been in this or in the military. You know what I'm talking about. And if you're not, maybe it won't be such a surprise, but it is a very conservative community. It is a very top down working community and it is very rare, if not, you know, not present at all to have any sort of opinion that is publicly declared. About especially when it's dissent. Any dissensions declared publicly, you just won't see in military communities. Now, people may be grumbling and complaining in small groups. That's common. People will have opinions and not agree with certain decisions being made on little pockets of, you know, social media pages and that kind of thing. Yeah, sure. But in general... It is not a space where you can really open up and talk about trauma and talk about decisions made from the top that negatively impact you. And one of the things that this theater of war, the book and all these plays that he brought to military and is bringing to military communities, they open people up and and they are very provocative. Very provocative because his argument is that the types of plays that he brings are, are plays about war heroes and, and people who were victims of war and what they go through and their raw emotion. And the point was in their inception to come to these audiences and just kind of really lay everything bare. And the same thing can happen in contemporary times. That's the argument. Like you can use these plays that were written thousands of years ago And still have an impact today because they speak to the human condition. They speak to those who have been left behind or who have been ripped open by war, who have been uh, impacted by trauma and stress and who have been traumatized to silence, even mental health. All of these things are topics of these plays that he brings to these communities. And with very interesting results in those communities, people would speak up and share their testimonies, their stories. And that's a very rare thing. And the book is very unapologetic about that. He he wants people to feel in, the, in their own capacity, the ability to talk, to speak, to share how these plays are impacting them. And it's very unapologetic and it's very rare to see. And I, it would be interesting to be in person in one of these performances and see how people, whether they were, you know, Active duty or spouses or children of active duty military members to see how being in these communities, going to active war zones impacted their lives. So unapologetic and finally inspiring. And the inspiration piece, me as a writer, I can always identify with movements that use art as a change agent, that use art. As a healing method, and so to see how he looks at art and how the art, right, the theater, as art, connected with audiences and connects with audiences who are in the military or who are or used to be in the military, military audiences in general. I I felt inspired by it because words. At the end of the day, you hope that they speak through generations, right? And we read quote unquote classics because we believe that they speak through time and place in many ways. And so, and and as a reader and as a writer, I hope to do that. I hope to pick up books that are a diverse, right? Sampling of books that speak through time and place, books that came out this year and books that came out a couple of years ago, and books that came out decades ago. you know, if you were with me a couple of episodes ago where I talked about goodbye, Mr. Chips, y'all, that was 20th century, right? And it it spoke to me. I said, yes, that that feels familiar. I just I just love that book anyway, right? That is what we do at our best as writers. We are writing something that people can pick up years and years later and be impacted by and talk about and have fruitful conversations about. So it was inspiring, the art and healing aspect of it. And yeah, like I said, it was a book club piece. So I got a chance to talk to other people about it. That was a lot of fun and not a book that I would have picked up by myself, to be honest with you all, but I'm glad that I stuck it through because it ended up being a very interesting book, an inspiring book. And it just really got me thinking, right? It opened me up to new conversations. So I enjoyed it. And if you enjoy that kind of thing, pick it up if you so choose. All right, y'all, moving on to the topic of the day, deployments can be topsy-turvy. Y'all, you know it. And so I am obviously speaking to a particular experience in the military, not everybody's experience, because some male spouses, y'all have spouses who will be gone for many months and you have no knowledge of when this is going to happen and how it's going to happen. And they just kind of dip off because that's the type of job they have. Or maybe even for a few days, a few weeks, that's just the type of job they have, right? There are male spouses, you see your spouse every day because that's the type of job they have. You get to see them every day. There's no such thing as deployment in your world. Kudos to you. And obviously there are people who will not be able to communicate with their spouse when they're deployed. And there are some who can. For me, y'all, what I'm learning, and as if you've been with me, you'll know, I'm a newer Mill spouse, we've been in this game for a little more than 2 years now. So I know some things and I don't know many, many, many things. But what I do know, y'all, this deployment topsy turvy. There's a it's, it's been having me think about so many different things. One of the things we like to talk about just in society, right, is the only thing constant is change. You've heard someone say that, right? The only thing constant is change. Oh yes, life changes so much. It's true, right? Every For everyone, there are constant changes. You just look at a kid. You, If you just watch a kid grow up, you know how much life changes. You know, you were just changing their diaper. And now they're changing their mind about who they're going to marry. How did you get to the age where you can marry? You know, change. So many changes. It's wild. But the deployment situation and change, the military and changes. Y'all, I've been thinking about this and going through situations And if you've been through this, (laughs) you'll laugh. If you haven't, I'm just going to tell you, there comes, at least for me in the Navy life, there are moments when they might be somewhere that you can get to. They call these port calls. At least where I am, it can happen in, in being more or less your region. So a port call, your spouse is out there at sea, and then they pull into a place. Another country, usually, but they pull into a place where they need to get supplies or do something mission related, and they might be there for a couple of days and so if you have the type of life where you could just jump up and go, you might just roll through but But the question is, is this information reliable y'all y'all so i i'm I'm in my feelings because I've gone through this recently where it was like, "Oh, they are. They might be here. Oh, they might be there. You, and, and then you start getting your hopes up. Hopes, y'all, hope. I'm gonna talk about hope though. Hopes, getting hopes up in the military. Don't do it. Don't do it because your questions will be, are they or aren't they? Is they, is or is they ain't? Let me tell you, I think that's an old Nelly song or something. You don't have to look it up. I'll tell you exactly what it says. Is you, is or is you, ain't? Because that was the question. It was just like, well, well, are they or aren't they? Will they or will they not? And it got me to thinking, y'all. It got me to thinking all this going back and forth, trying to figure out whether my spouse is going to be in a place where I can get to them or they can get to me, y'all. It got me into this moment where I was thinking about pop culture, right? Not just a Nelly song. I was thinking about um, what was that? That Katy Perry song? You're hot and you're cold. Yes and you're no. You know the song? In and then you out. Up and you down wrongness this right black and white it's it's too much it's it's in one way and then it's the other way and you know I don't I don't want to complain I don't I don't but it just the hope the hope inside of me I realized that I just had to go back to these pop culture references it, re- it reminded me you know of those um the little rascals and uh alfalfa gets out the little was it a daisy or something like that a little flower and this is common in in movies, right? little kids get the flower and they pick the petals. He loves me, he loves me not, right? She loves me, she loves me not. She loves. That's how I felt. It was like, what, what, which petal are we on right now? Are we on the? I'ma see him petal, or are we on the? I'm not gonna see him petal. Y'all, yeah, just wild. It is so funny though. I mean, it is definitely a plan killer. Any plans, and, and I'm talking about deployments, it's, it's amazing. I've seen a number of friends, and I had a, a friend tell me when we were coming out to Japan, she said, listen, make your trips, make your plans, do what you're going to do, and just be prepared for him not to come with you. And y'all, she was right. She, uh, just in that same instant, was dealing with planning some trips and right? Number one, when was her husband going to leave? Later. Because that's what the deployment said. That's what they said. They were going to leave in a couple of weeks. And what happened? They left in a week. That's what happened. So the question of when they're going to leave, that can change. Had another, somebody else tell me her spouse was supposed to be around. They planned some nice family trips, some gatherings, some activities. And then they got the news oh no he's leaving he's leaving sooner than that I already bought tickets and so the question of when they're gonna leave y'all will they leave now or in two weeks or in three days right it's just like pulling the little little flower petals is there is it is it ain't well we don't know have no hot than cold yes or no Katie Perry. It's, it's it's hilarious it's hilarious but I'm you know it's one of those things my mom used to say you laugh to keep yourself from crying <laughs> And honestly, it really got me thinking about pop culture and all these things to just remind me that that dangling hope of maybe having more time with your spouse or your family member, right? Is, it is always there in deployment season. Be like a little bit more time. Okay, we have a little bit more time. And the wild thing is, is that that hope can be shattered in an instant, whether it is they leave sooner than they were supposed to, or they don't make a port call and you thought you were gonna be able to fly out and see them, or they're gonna come back at a certain time and they come back a little later than they were supposed to at the end of the deployment. So anyway, y'all, I'll end with this. There's a scripture, I was thinking about this as well, about hope, right? Right? Uh, scripture hebrews 11 one is well, how does the scripture go uh faith this is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen y'all faith the faith in the whole military deployment cycle it be small <laughs> i'm not gonna lie to y'all i am learning As I have said in the beginning of this life, I will believe it when I see it. That's how it is for me. It's not about hoping and thinking and expecting anything to happen. It's only real when you actually see it happen. So anyway, a little bit more time for hubby to be away. And that's all right because deployments are a constant in the military and is what you sign up for when you have a spouse with A certain type of schedule in the military. Anyway, moving on to the last portion, y'all, I'm going to read to you all another flash fiction piece, and this one is called The Mail Carrier. The sun crept around a passing puff of clouds at first timid, though a minute later emerging in full glory once the heavens opened completely. A spider's web glistened in the post-rain glow above Andrea's head on the front porch of her mother's two-bedroom 1950s red brick home. Andrea chewed her lip as she struggled to stay seated rather than bolt back to the bus stop a quarter mile up the road. Every time she came to her mother's home, they argued. Today's topic was Andrea's ratty cotton dress attracting the wrong sort of attention to Pam's good Christian home. Andrea sighed, tossing her dog-chain necklace in her hands. Engraved in that medal was the serenity prayer. Its cursive words caught the sun's rays. Andrea's mom, Pam, could have left Andrea's mail in the mailbox. Pam could have left it in a bundle just outside the front door. But Pam brought all of the mail into her house and tucked the envelopes addressed to Andrea out of sight so that her daughter had to beg for these bits of correspondence every week. Mail sent to Andrea's only address of record while she got her life together. Andrea shivered as the sun's warmth intensified in the early afternoon heat. An odd response for most, but Andrea had not quite adjusted to the freedom of sun on her face. The bondage of police handcuffs and needle pot forearms and jail cells had been her life up until five months ago. Andrea repeated the prayer as she waited for her mom's return. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Andrea's low-hung head snapped up with the heavy steps of her stress-worn and embittered mother. The storm door flew open. Here's your mail, the older woman said thrusting a small stack into Andrea's hands. Andrea thumbed through them quickly. Maybe her mother wouldn't forgive her on this healing journey, but Lily? Andrea needed her forgiveness desperately. Mama, Andrea cried out just before the woman slammed the door. Mama, has she written anything back? Pam shook her head slowly the slightest trace of pity forming on the creases around her lips. She calls me from Mexico all the time, Pam said, but Lily isn't ready to talk to her deadbeat mama. Andrea's face wrinkled far beyond her 38 years. One day, Andrea whispered to herself, and Andrea set back out for the bus stop to the halfway house where she stayed. As she walked, she recited the rest of the serenity prayer to herself as the sun shied back behind the clouds and it began to rain once more. All right, y'all, that is it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Station with Stories is on Twitter and Instagram, stationed underscore story, And check me out on YouTube, Station with Stories. I'm there. We have a website, stationedwithstories.com, where everything is. Check it out. And of course, if you are listening on a podcast streaming app, give the podcast all the stars. Give it the stars, y'all rate the podcast, and definitely share it with others. Share it with someone who might need a smile to their day, or who is an avid reader, or a meal spouse, or maybe dating someone in the military, whatever it might be, or, you know, just, just want a little cackle in their life, just a little fun. Share it with them. And I will be back with you all next Monday, station with stories. This is your host, Kalisha Hollis-Jesse. Bye, peeps.